Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski, and today we have with us three uh, ex-con guests. We have Doug Gobeski. Hello. Ant. Tony Huff. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's good to be back. And Paul Will Ant. <laughs> it's uh, it's great to be back on the outside. You could have gone with Paul Kurtanston. Kurtanston. And so we are here today to discuss the 63rd installment in our never-ending Mary Marvel movie march. This time it's the July 2018 MCU film Ant-Man and the Wasp. The next up in our Phase 3 movies. Ant-Man and the Wasp is the story, of course, of one Dennis Ant-Man. Last time, you might remember that something happened to him. And uh, this time, uh, he decides to enter the world of dating upper-class women from New England. It's a, it's a romantic dramedy. And uh, the upshot is that um, something happens. <laughs> wow. I love it when something wow. happens. Usually it's not the case in those romantic dramedies. <laughs> it's like we went through all this just to get here. They got together. <laughs> Could have just done that right off the bat. No rejection, just immediately. <laughs> this could have been about This really could have been about something fun. <laughs> Doug. Yeah. Three sentences or less. What's this movie actually about? In the wake of Captain America Civil War, our hero Scott Lang is confined to house arrest, and Dr. Pym and his daughter Hope Van Dyne are on the run from the feds. So uh, when a science experiment to attempt to get uh, Janet Van Dyne back into the realm of you know normal people goes right, um, it's up to uh, Scott to be kidnapped and help <laughs> save the day. <laughs> and also uh, Morpheus is helping some girl to uh, believe in herself or something. He's that just, works. Just totally red pilling her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just believe in yourself. <laughs> so um, had you seen this movie before? Yes, I saw it in theaters. And second time I saw it was just now. This is the second time I watched this as well. I can't remember the first time I watched it, if it was on furlough or not. But it wasn't too long ago. But I do believe this is the second time I've seen this. I do remember considering going to see it in the theater, but I hadn't seen Ant-Man yet. So it's like, ah, probably not a good idea. Why were you considering it then? Because it was a fun movie that was out at the time. I think that's really the only reason. It was getting pretty good reviews. I actually think I did see this movie before Ant-Man. Yeah, but that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you're you're a real watch the second one first kind of guy. I want to see how, like, where we're at in the story and if I need to get invested. All the way since Blade 2. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I saw this movie twice in theaters. Uh, once with Brienne and once with Doug. Uh, and then I s- watched it on Blu-ray and then again just now. And enjoyed it a lot. Although I suspect even if I hadn't enjoyed it, I still would have had to see it in the theaters a second time. So I don't think Doug would have brooked any argument to the contrary. The uh, the Captain America 2, where it was like, I literally came here at this time of year specifically so that I could watch this movie with you. Why did you already go see it? What a punk. I, uh, just like Doug, saw Ant-Man in the theater once and now once. Ant-Man and the Wasp, you mean? Yes. 
Just, just making sure you're not doing a, a a bit. No, no. I just got distracted for a second. I know you got amped up earlier. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on my I'm on my like my adrenaline like uh, withdrawal right now. Oh, gotcha. Coming. Getting down. really sleepy. Oh, do you do you need me to upset you some more? Absolutely not. So Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, sequel to Ant Man, and so uh, pretty straightforward. Ant Man made the money and was popular, and so uh, they made another one. Same director, still Peyton Reed. But uh, what's there to talk about? Uh, Ghost is a supervillain, originally an Iron Man villain. I think he turns into an anti-hero at one point. I think he joins the Thunderbolts. Not a super well-known character, which is why um, this version takes a few uh, liberties, I think, versus the original comic conception. Lawrence Fishburne's in this. Uh, he's not Morpheus. He is, in fact, Bill Foster. That's a real Ant-Man character. His codename is Goliath. Black Goliath for a while in the 70s to distinguish him from Giant Man, who was going by Goliath at that point because comic books get complicated. But the upshot is that's a real character. Yay! I did expect when I saw him that he would be he would have his own powers that would be on display at some point instead of just, uh, you know, in his civvies the whole time. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> civvies only. <laughs> it, it, his entrance does make it feel like he's like the ultimate villain. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, then he's just like, oh, you have uh, a daughter. I understand emergencies here. Please talk to her. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, ooh, twist. And it's like, oh, not really. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a good guy. He's just got he's some a good guy. decisions to make. <laughs> I do like the idea, though, um, both in this movie and the previous Ant-Man, that there were superheroes in like the 80s and 90s. That it wasn't like Captain America and then basically nothing until Iron Man. Right. Yeah. And so I like that we just get these kind of allusions and references to things, superheroes from the past, but we don't necessarily have to see them in action immediately. See, see now you're just making me want a Sentry movie. Uh, could happen. Fingers crossed. I have a question about Ghost. Uh, yes. The costume design, was that based off of the comics? Because I'm not going to lie, when I saw the costume, I like I just assumed it was Phantom X. All right, so looking at some comic artwork of Ghost, it looks roughly like that. Um, okay. doesn't seem to have the hood, and uh, the helmet only has two eyes. It doesn't have that kind of, like, Sam Fisher splinter cell headset look to it that this one has. But whatever you call that. Night vision goggles? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, But yeah, I would say roughly. Okay. I'm just kind of impressed that here's a villain that I'm just not aware of on any level. Well, like I said, it was, it was an Iron Man villain, a late Iron Man villain. Didn't get a lot of use, honestly. And Wait, late? Like, uh, like not late, 60s? Like late 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Did people have expectations before they saw this movie for the first time? I mean, I guess some of you had no expectations because you hadn't watched Ant-Man yet, but... <laughs> Well, my expectation was that it had Paul Rudd in it, and I, I think he's funny. So That's I was fair. like, oh, I bet this is going to be funny. I think I laughed more this time than I did the first time. <laughs> but that's because I, I knew some of the jokes now. <laughs> <laughs> so one point in the pro column for watching the uh, <laughs> the prequel. <laughs> well, and but there was a lot of references to, was it was it Civil War? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to remember if I had seen Civil War when I first saw this or not. I might not have yet. Would that have changed your expectations regarding this movie? You know, if you didn't know about Civil War? I, I'm not even sure if I would have, you know, initially caught like, oh, they're li- they're definitely talking about specific events from a movie that I hadn't seen. Uh, but I was like, oh, maybe I would have just thought I was missing some lore. But it's it's a brief enough reference that it's not a big deal. But also kind of like, oh, what's he under house arrest for? <laughs> I mean, I think it's fine that they do those sorts of things and like tie them together. There's something I don't like when they talk about events in another movie like very explicitly and like retell it in an expository way i'm always like oh i'm just like taken out of it a little bit or something i don't know why it's not like a big deal but i'm always like oh i missed the homework (laughs) but they're also laying it out for the people who didn't do the homework i tend to think too of like ant-man as like oh it's like a side series of you know uh the main line like you know avengers movies and stuff are the or the serial, then I think of like Ant-Man movies as like self-contained episodes, you know? Yeah, I think that's reasonable given that this is fairly explicitly a sequel to one movie, whereas Infinity War is pretty explicitly a sequel to all movies ever since the dawn of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. you, you heard it here, folks. Avengers Infinity War, the sequel to Birth of a Nation. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Birth of a Nation, a trip to the moon, great train robbery, probably some Triumph other stuff. Of will. Hmm. All right. Uh, it might not be a uh, a sequel to all movies. It might just be oh. all, all okay. scripted movies. <laughs> Documentaries might not fall under its purview. But yeah, this movie definitely tries to be. I mean, not outside the other films, but you know, it doesn't address Infinity War at all until the very end which i think is kind of i I think that's very purposely what they were trying to do here it's like okay we know infinity war just came out let's give you this where you just don't have to think about that for almost two hours right well we left you on something depressing now here let's remind you that these movies are fun and we won't depress you unless you stay through the end oh that's what Okay. Oh my God. Yeah, the ash floating around. (laughs) That's what that. Okay. I did see. I had no idea. I had not seen Infinity War when I saw this for the first time. What about when you saw it twenty minutes ago? Uh, It sounds like you didn't make that connection. I was like, "What the hell is going on with this movie?" (laughs) It's yeah. I don't think of it as being in that universe. I'm like, "Yeah, the Avengers are something else." You know, I'm not. I'm not. This this isn't the same world. I, um, so, except for the stuff where he hangs out with Captain America in the other movies. Yeah, but like it, it just feels different. It's like not, you know, I don't know. That's why I never was like, oh, I love it when Ant Man is in the other movies because I don't like, I don't like the universes being connected. I like my Ant Man universe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say though that that extra scene at the end there may be my favorite. of all of of them like it just it's just like put so much suspense you're like what the heck's gonna happen you know like it gives you a little extra if you know you watched infinity war you know what's going on like i don't know i just i love that and like this last time i kind of got goosebumps because of the ants drumming oh well uh no, <laughs> you didn't watch the scene, did you? No, I did you watch that. I did watch that, but I'd... that's not my favorite. <laughs> I know. I'm being... Wait, wait, wait. So, <laughs> so you meant the part where they died was your favorite? 
I just I think it's executed really well. It is executed really well. I okay, know. that is true. So Paul Rudd's back, sexiest man alive. Yeah, the newest development. Oh really? Yep. Yeah. People's sexiest man alive as of like two days ago. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Oh, I was like, oh, I they still that. do this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'm like still shocked that they have sexiest man alive. <laughs> well, it's like that. It it feels really. Uh, I mean, it's Paul Rudd is a great great 2021 choice for sexiest yeah. man alive. Oh, that's what they were saying. Such yeah. a cozy, comfy guy. Exactly. <laughs> like it's it's no longer about the the raw sex appeal it's about oh who makes us feel sexy on the inside (laughs) it's not like not like when i was in my my teenage years and i would steal my mom's people magazine and take it into my room (laughs) (laughs) who was it at that point like it was brad pitt or something (laughs) But I mean, you're not far off, Paul. That's kind of what they said was like, yeah, like, we just want somebody like, I mean, they didn't say non-controversial, but like, yeah, just like a goofy sort of comfortable guy for 2021 after all yeah. we've been through. <laughs> like he's sexy, but he's also just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> In the Hall of Fame, him and Mel Gibson. <laughs> oh. uh, what? <laughs> Mel Gibson was sexiest man alive. <laughs> what year was that? Eighty something. Oh, I mean, I'll believe that. Oh, I believe you. Why was th- Why was that your go to? <laughs> I just know that Mel Gibson is <laughs> sexiest man alive. <laughs> I mean, it certainly. <laughs> Tony, have you contrast. seen my Have you seen my Road Warrior tape? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Bob. <laughs> I think I saw Beyond Thunderdome behind the couch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking all over for what women want. (laughs) (laughs) That movie. (laughs) I don't know what that was segueing to. That was its own topic. You just wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I did. (laughs) It's topical. I mean, Yeah. yeah. He's in the movie. <laughs> he is. I don't know if you know this, but that's the same. That's the same actor <laughs> that was just. <laughs> I mean, everybody's back in this movie. It's everybody back in this movie. Yellow Jacket. Yeah, he's not back. You're right. Greg Turkington's not back. Well, we... but thankfully they brought Tim Heidecker in this place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this the second appearance of Tim Heidecker in uh, the March? In the March? Yeah, it is. Oh, what, what Fantastic up? Four being the other one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he like really loves the Jets or something, I think. <laughs> he does like the Jets. <laughs> He's eating Totino's pizza roll. <laughs> I, I don't think he is. Totino's boy. <laughs> well, it's a missed I, I don't opportunity. think he is. That's how much of a yeah, that's how much of a missed opportunity that movie is. <laughs> I, I like I how this is like hey uh listen to my podcast about ant-man uh we don't we just bash other movies <laughs> <laughs> all right then let's talk about ant-man and the wasp let's talk about the wasp <laughs> since uh evangeline lily gets to actually kick some ass in this one instead of just being support staff like she was in the first one how do you all feel about that 
I like the action stuff where, yeah, she could basically just fly straight into somebody and then blow up to real size and knock them across the room. I thought that worked pretty well. I like that it highlighted her expertise. This was her shot. She was like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Thank you, John Fogarty. No, that, that I said that. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought this fight sequences with them, yeah, getting big and small um, and just like more or less instantaneously. I thought that was all choreographed really well. And, I, and I thought it was shot in a way that was... It was like exciting and and it never felt like it was hard to follow what was going on. The one thing that I enjoy about her character though is just the confidence that she has. At no point is she are you like afraid she's going to like lose a battle or like you know what I mean like lose some sort of fight. She's just like all right, this is now the plan, you know, and like she even says that to uh, Ant-Man Scott Lang, where, where he was like, well, if you were if I was there in Germany, you wouldn't have gotten caught. I enjoy that about her character. Yeah, it's nice to have a, a female superhero like that that doesn't feel like she has to like prove herself or anything like that. She's just like, yep, I'm just going to go in and do it. Yeah, like the the other bad guys. But like oh, when she's yeah the black market technology dealers yeah yeah and she's like driving away and they're like all right we're gonna meet up at the rendezvous point and then like they show up and she's just like I got this and just is like detour just turns around like that's like another one of my favorite scenes too now that I mention it though I guess it didn't really click with me that he's like a black market technology dealer but he also owns a restaurant <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, does. Front, right? <laughs> Some people well, you're not allowed to have other interests. I guess so. I mean, maybe it's that's a front. Diversification. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's prudent business strategy, my friend. If the next one billion dollar deal doesn't go through, yeah. just go back to the restaurant. I do like though that yeah, that a restaurant is what what they think is sound investment. Like like the worst. They don't know that. It might just be that's his passion. Maybe he's really good at black market technology dealing, but that's not where his heart lies. His heart right. lies in restaurateur. His heart lies in health code violations. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's always one. He's going to be on Gordon Ramsay next. <laughs> well, you know, he, he seems like the kind of guy who's just like, ah, rules are for suckers. Regulations? <laughs> what's that? I've got money. I don't need it. I don't need it. <laughs> that's right. They can't tell me what to do. Yeah, Walton Goggins being Walton Goggins. That's pretty much Who? the the black market guy. Oh, do I know him from other things? Uh, it's a maybe. Great name, yeah, I mean, like I think it was in the Vice Principals show on HBO. He was in. He was like oh, one of the. He was the main bad guy in Justified okay. FX show. Um, That's a show at least that people have heard of. Yes, yes. I'll give you that. I'm not going to give you whatever this vice principal thing is. I've heard of the vice principal's thing. Never any interest in watching it, but I'm aware of it. That's just feel. That just feels like you telling me that uh, uh, Dabney Coleman is best known for Drexel's class. <laughs> he isn't. <laughs> Drexel's class. <laughs> There's something you haven't thought about no. in 20 years, if ever. <laughs> yeah. I certainly haven't thought about it ever. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. 
<laughs> it was like a one season show on like CBS in like 92 or something. And then we haven't talked about Randall Park is Jimmy Woo. Yeah. The, the other confounding factor. Jimmy Woo. Yeah. Since uh, it turns out he, he shows up in other stuff. Uh, he's in at least one Marvel or Disney Plus show that I'm aware of. Oh, Jimmy Woo, also a, uh, a comic book character. He may be one of my favorite. Oh, yeah. He's all he's time. Great, yeah. Just how much he loves magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like... Like he, he really spoke to me during this. I just, I just really enjoyed his like blend of like confident awkwardness. Yeah, <laughs> where he's just I like, mean, did did you want to get dinner? Because I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like, oh, like we're gonna be friends. <laughs> the one thing that I thought was really good about his character was it kind of set the tone for um the movie to be entertaining right uh, like when he's he's talking to ant-man's daughter he's like oh like you know this is probably over your head and then gives like a very technical explanation <laughs> <laughs> yeah where it starts about like drawing on the walls and then it's like yeah your daddy drew on the walls in Germany in violation of paragraph 7 section 14 yeah. of the Sokovia Accords or <laughs> <laughs> it was just that was I, I really enjoyed that. But I like that that like interaction kind of sets the tone like, OK, this is going to be like a funny film, you know, like this is going to be an entertaining film. Yeah, we're not going to kill everyone yet. Yeah. And there's just scenes like with him opposite Paul Rudd or like the scene with um, Tim Heidecker where I just like kept wishing like, oh, they could they could do more. Like we could extend the movie an extra like five minutes and just have these people improvise a little bit more and just throw that stuff in. And I usually don't say that, but yeah, it is funny though. Like the range that Paul Rudd has. Oh yeah. You know, he can be serious. And I think like one of the things that I liked more this time around watching was when Paul Rudd embodies the, um, the mother. Oh (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a really good scene. Yeah. You know, Like that to me, like I think the first time I was kind of like, oh, okay. But this time, like I just had a, a better appreciation. Thought it was entertaining, but I thought he like I thought he pulled it off. Like, yeah, he mm-hmm. he doesn't overplay it or anything. Like, yeah, he plays it sincerely. Yeah. It, so I that was another one I really liked because he he's perfectly capable of going either way too. Like he could play it way over the top and probably be hilarious, but inappropriate for the scene. So I totally agree. A la Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire with Paul Rudd. That's that's a winner. Yeah, let's do he that. Won't give he the won't Hollywood ideas. For the, <laughs> yeah. the real question is: Is he in the the Robin Williams role or the Pierce Brosnan role? The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one man show. <laughs> What if Mrs. Doubtfire, but also the clumps? <laughs> and then just speaking of that stuff, like, I still just love the actress who plays Cassie. Oh, like, yeah. She's just like yep. so good. Like, I love that moment where she's like, you need a partner to watch your back. Yeah. And she's like, I meant me. <laughs> That's great. And that, that whole elaborate Aunt Maze at the beginning of the movie out of cardboard. The first thing I thought was like, there's no way you'd have time and devote your entire house to building this weird slide thing. And then like later you realize like you see that he's under house arrest. I'm like, Oh no. Okay. You would do that. 
<laughs> I thought, talk so that out in a day. That's so funny. I thought the same thing too. <laughs> Who has time to do that? Don't they have to do the budgets? <laughs> uh, I will say this: this movie be hitting differently post COVID lockdowns. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, how novel! This one guy's got to stay inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so what did people think of the uh i don't really want to call it the villain um plot line maybe the antagonistic plot line of like ghost and bill foster and that whole plan i thought that was good i thought that fit with everything else i especially liked the scene where Lawrence fishburne said that okay no you're not allowed to go after his family like because if he allowed her to do that or if that's what she did i feel like it doesn't really work with the rest of the movie so i thought it was interesting they added that like, because he's not a horrible person, yeah. Yeah, that almost made me wonder if if someone at the scripting level was like, "Why don't they just do that?" And they were like, "What? No, why would?" <laughs> like, fine, we'll put a scene in to explicitly take this off the table. Right, right. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I did like that in this movie. Even the antagonists aren't really villainous. Yeah. That, you know, there's a, a sense of self-preservation and a ticking clock that prevents her from, you know, potentially exploring other options. It made Ghost not seem irredeemable, at least right, to me. Right, yeah. Now, in the, like in the comics, you said Ghost is originally an Iron Man villain? Yeah. Or, so, is that villain, like, uh, like a true villain in that? Or do they have, yes. like, redeemable clock? Oh, okay. Yeah, to the extent that Ghost is using the comics, I think he's just uh, basically just your standard villain until he joins the Thunderbolts, uh, which are is basically a team of supervillains who do heroic things. After that's a very the Avengers disappear. That's a very general way of putting it, but yeah, it's, it gets it gets a little more involved than that, but that's basically the upshot. And so at that point, he turns into sort of like an anti-hero. He's not really heroic, but he's not necessarily straight up villainous anymore at that point. I will say the one thing that I didn't quite like was that it never felt like the FBI mole got properly dealt with. Oh, yeah. Like, I kind of felt, wish they had been, like, exposed and fired so that they could be hired by a different police department somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Might have to cut that. Your background is none of our business here. (laughs) He worked for the FBI. He's cool. (laughs) No need to check these references. But I loved all the shrinking stuff and the making stuff bigger. Like, I felt like that was handled pretty well. You know, it was in the trailers, but the whole Hello Kitty Pez dispenser thing is great. So we talked about the fight scenes with, like, the the getting bigger and smaller fights, but also just the chase scenes with the car getting bigger and smaller and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought the mechanics, the ideas behind it were really cool. That was one part that eventually, after it was going for a while, I got a little like geographically confused like there's just a lot going on between everything converging there so i thought the fight scenes made a lot of sense but they're like okay what car is this and now they're fighting and now luis has his own car that he's doing this other stuff with and this sounds like a you not paying enough attention problem (laughs) i'm just gonna say it Uh, like they make the cars pretty distinct well they do but 
some very noticeable Hyundai ad placement. Ah. Yeah, I noticed that too. But wherever do the cars come from, Adam? There was also a, what, a Mercedes. Was that yeah. the van? Yes. I do like those Mercedes vans. I really, I need a van. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just to complete your uh, transformation? To <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> full recluse. Yep. <laughs> we got my windowless panel van. I just can't. I just can't bring enough private stuff with me when I'm going out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you put a mattress in the back of that van, you don't even need to go home. Right. It can become my home. <laughs> Seinfeld van. Seinfeld van. <laughs> <laughs> What's he said? I think he said son of Sam. Yeah, the shrinking lab was. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I like to have it so central I, I to the plot. It. I loved thinking about how tiny the lab would be when they shrunk the van with the lab in it. And all the stabilization systems they'd have to have on all their equipment for when they're like throwing the lab in the back <laughs> of the van. And... Yeah. When it's accelerating in impossible ways. <laughs> <laughs> The one thing I hadn't really thought about that I thought about at the end when Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer have their their own little house <laughs> that he's been carrying around is like what's they have like a sewer system there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. Why was that the first thing I thought of too? Like, where's the poop go? <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about water mains and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I yeah, assume that's gotta... less of a problem for the lab, because it's probably designed to be all self-contained and stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or this is just a house. You know what? You got to clean water up top and your, your dirty <laughs> water on the bottom, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it is uh, by the sea. Maybe they just go outside. <laughs> yeah. They just wade out of the ocean before bed. Yeah. Just an let, dump. Let, let the salt water just uh, relax it away. <laughs> Go down in high in high tide. And... Hey, salt water is not good for the fissures, so <laughs> gets the the burns. Stains a little. Guess you're expecting a lot of, from the about the uh, the Pim Van Dyne Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure they they're good with fiber and all that. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure they take care of themselves. Well, you know, she's been living on what tardigrades or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I have so many questions that are never gonna be answered. Probably. <laughs> Ask away. She she lives off of healing crystal energy. I thought is that yeah, what I it is? So. Oh my god! Well, I guess that's it then. All right, no further questions. <laughs> and, and she has. No further questions, Your Honor. (laughs) And she clearly has not had a haircut in 30 years. If it's been 30 years for her. You know, she has that comment about time working differently down there. Oh, Uh, all right, yeah. Wait, are you saying that there's now a problematic age gap between her and Hank Pym? (laughs) Not necessarily. There's no way to have... (laughs) Unless she got younger, no. (laughs) Yeah. No one's going to believe an age gap between... Michael Douglas and whoever he happens to be with. <laughs> no one, no one talks. <laughs> I just got. That. <laughs> I did think that the de aging tech in this movie had uh, advanced. Oh, much better. We've seen yeah. so far. Like I thought, like Michelle Pfeiffer actually. Like I started like looking for issues and couldn't really even see any. Michael Douglas was was much better in this one for the one scene that he had. 
Lawrence Fishburne, I noticed a little bit more. I'm not sure why. But, well, yeah. that's because I looked this up. That was his son. But well, like, his son's the body model. Body, but they so still it's like yeah. Used his. They still tried to put Lawrence Fishburne's young face on. Right. Him. So it might be some like combination of like trying to use his son's face somewhat and slightly modify. I don't know something like yeah, that. Maybe. But yeah, generally speaking, I was like pretty impressed with that. Yeah. I was like, dang. Luis is back. Yeah. yeah. Luis is great. Yeah. Yeah. He really, he is just my favorite. <laughs> I really, really like the truth serum sequence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was really well done. Because it's like, they're not just like lip syncing to his voice, but they're acting in the way that he would explain it too. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the drunk history, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's, yeah, that was really well done. And uh, the Baba Yaga joke, I really I like that too. <laughs> yeah. Where they set it up where he talks about Baba Yaga and then Ghost shows up. And he's like, Baba Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> but I like too how Scott Lang has so many, he has like these obligations, like real life obligations that he's got to worry about. I mean, he did in the first movie too, but here they're like directly playing against what he's trying to do. So it's like, oh, he's got work stuff that like he has to do right now. Or like if he's not back home, then he's going to be sent to jail. <laughs> and that they actually make him like at one point, instead of, you know, this instead of just having the like screwball sort of like, oh, I have to get home really quick. I mean, that's there. But it's like he has to make the choice and people get angry at him. Like, how dare you prioritize your own family over my family or. Yeah, like it's not completely without stakes that he does that it's like a yes you know, it's exactly a, it's another plot line with like real you know with some weight to it Even, yeah and it is also provides like some comic relief too and you know like i really like the scene where he gets back and his daughter's like you know he threw up a lot <laughs> 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 like how much no i'm still going up there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, one plot-related question. So eventually, Lawrence Fishburne agrees, okay, we'll let you do your thing with the portal, and then you can help us with our thing. Yeah. Why did nobody come up with that idea first? Like Because they hated each other. <laughs> because they hated each other? Like, yeah. it just seems yeah. so... Just personal grudge only. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't understand the depths of the hate where... You wouldn't put that aside for, like, that Lawrence Fishman wouldn't put that aside for ghost's sake, saying, like, all right, can you please just tell He's like, no, you have to go steal this Well, and put yourself Hank, and me at risk. Also, Hank Pym's on the run. Oh, okay. It's not like he can just phone him up and say, hey, I got this problem. I've been working on it for a while, and I hit a wall. Yeah, I mean, he shows up. I mean, up maybe he doesn't office. know that Hank there. Pym is involved until that point. Maybe they just knew yeah. that the part they needed was there. I guess maybe that's... Oh, yeah. I don't think they had realized that it was Hank Pym that was doing the quantum mm, stuff. Okay. Because, you know, she had given an assumed name to... What'd you call him? Walton Goggles? Goggins. Walton <laughs> Goggins. Walton Goggins. Walmart really Goggles? <laughs> I watched this movie with my Walton Goggles huh? <laughs> The Walmart Goggles. <laughs> So yeah, any uh, moments you enjoyed in the movie we haven't discussed yet? I liked the credit sequence at the end with the the miniatures. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was cool. One of my favorite credit sequences I've seen in the Mart so far. 
So I have a question. Were those actually miniatures or were they, they CGI? They may not have been. They I'm looked pretty cool sure though. they're CGI. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were like, they were super convincing though. Like, yeah, that's... It was... <laughs> They were, but there were also like things that were like suspended in air that weren't being held up in any way. That yeah, to... were they actually miniatures, and they just went in and CG erased the wires or something? They use a really high speed camera. One hundred percent CG. Oh wow! So yeah. well, it's a neat effect, though. Yeah, I guess that's a very good application of CG, as in like. <laughs> those ray trace shadows you know you can <laughs> whatever way you want if it's pre-rendered then you know you don't have to worry very cool uh lighting uh, depth of field effects very convincing textures i liked how uh paul rudd used the big flatbed truck as kind of a scooter oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just kicking it down the street one uh one scene i thought was pretty great was when he turned small in the school and he couldn't get back yeah when he he like runs to the van in the oversized hoodie (laughs) (laughs) that was a scene where i thought more was going to happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah like there's gonna be a whole escapade here (laughs) and he's gonna be like a little kid through the whole thing (laughs) oh do you want a juice box and string cheese and paul red's like (laughs) Do you have that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that an option? That was that was perfect. I, I like when they go into like the the quantum realm and just kind of those effects um, throughout. And I like how he kind of paused it, or well, you know, because he was he was kind of forced to pause and he's like, wow, like he didn't say like how beautiful it was, and so. And then like when they get down to like the end, it reminded me of like the Doctor Strange, uh, the Dormammu scene, like kind of those colors and stuff, and I I like that. So I didn't know if like the Dormammu was like, because like, isn't that like the place where like time doesn't exist? Right. It's supposed to be an alternate dimension, but yeah, it's possible it all gets tied together. You know, I was wondering if that was kind of a, a, like maybe the place, if that was done intentionally or not. I don't know how much of it was practical. I mean, maybe it was all practical, but, and you know, I'm, you know, pretty much a noob when it comes to this stuff, but I thought Paula Rudd's close-up magic was actually really good. Yeah, I did too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yep. He he said he learned enough to be able to do it for the movie, but then hasn't really kept up with it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's tough. I dabbled in magic. For those yeah, I really, months. I really miss your tricks. <laughs> yeah, well, they're illusions. Um, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> but where did the where did the fluid come from? <laughs> I think I realized I don't, I don't have big. <laughs> thank you, Paul. Uh, I don't... <laughs> I don't have big enough hands to be a magician, so you gotta have like really big, like meaty hands. You do. You have to be able to to palm and yeah. You gotta be able to hide a full quarter in between your thumb and index finger. You know, I, I there was a certain point that I realized a big part of the appeal of Ant Man. Some of it is a grown up, juiced up, honey, I shrunk the kids, and I realized I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is why I love this. And this is why that movie <laughs> was great back then. <laughs> like, I was imprinted with a love of shrinking. I went to the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, like, thing in, at Disney. Or maybe it was Universal. I don't know. It was one of, one of the two. Disney. A uh, long time ago. And it freaked me out. Like, I was like, we're all small right now. This is messed <laughs> up. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, I want to be big again. <laughs> Is this going to be forever? Yeah. <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> hey, grandma. <laughs> What's in this? Oh, and I also like the world's greatest grandma trophy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that they, and that they called back to it. Where she was like, you can do anything. You're the world's greatest grandma. I guess you want to take that in for show and tell. (laughs) This is is my dad's trophy. (laughs) Bring the dad's ankle monitor in for show and tell. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) The FBI just crashing through the windows of the the classroom. (laughs) This is now my new favorite. Which is that Tim Heidecker's character's name is... Whale boat captain Daniel Goobler with three O's in a row. <laughs> I gotta look this up. <laughs> the two the touring company is, is uh, it's owned by Schlang Incorporated. I'm on the the Marvel like uh, cinematic universe wiki. And I like that it says status alive. So <laughs> <laughs> Somebody wrote in the biography, Daniel Goobler's gained prominence Hold as a whaleboat captain. Daniel Goobler. Daniel Goobler gained prominence as a whaleboat captain when one of his tours was interrupted by Ant-Man chasing after Sonny Birch, who had snuck aboard Goobler's ship with the mobile laboratory stolen by Hank Pym. Goobler. He proved his bravery when he remained calm and collected during the fiasco, making sure his passengers kept safe. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the behind the scenes here. It says, in the outtakes, Tim Heidecker gave two alternative spellings of his last name. <laughs> Goobler, G-O-O-O-B-L-E-Y-E-R. <laughs> <laughs> or G O O O B Y L E Y E R. Goobler. So ultimately, what did you think of Ant Man and the Wasp? Would you rescue it from the uh, quantum realm like it wants to be, or would you murder it in favor of prolonging the life of another confirmed murderer? <laughs> I guess I'm just asking, how many close-up magic tricks out of 10 would you give this movie? I, for instance, enjoyed this movie quite a bit. It feels like a bigger, more open movie, but it doesn't necessarily feel like the stakes are that much higher. I mean, they're a bit higher in that, like, there's lives at stake instead of just technology and potential lives and weapons and stuff. But I think it's clever. I think it's well done. I also appreciate that it, it didn't feel like it lost... Uh, the charm that made the first one special like there's that's still pretty present throughout this movie and yeah it's a fun movie i like that it's kind of also still a heist movie but it's like a heist slash rescue movie and i thought that was kind of interesting and i gave ant-man an 8.5 and uh i think i like this a little better so i'm gonna give ant-man and the wasp nine close-up magic tricks out of ten almost a full set yeah i was just looking up uh what i gave original ant-man i gave that a nine god i think i like this one better too i like that this movie is like a palate cleanser from the last one that we watched uh infinity war or what yeah i guess in terms of the mcu right and uh i I think that the cast does a, a really good job of making this an entertaining movie throughout i think that the action and even the storyline 
to a certain extent uh, keeps my attention. And I think uh, you all know that I enjoy humorous movies. And I think this was uh, this had me laughing out loud uh, many times uh, on the rewatch. So I think I'm going to go and give this one a 9.5 magic close up um, things. So what's the point five? The point five? Yeah. Does he give up halfway through? Does he mess the trick up? It's the the yeah, the, the lighter fluid. It doesn't go on. Yeah. Oh, but wherever did it come from? Yeah, exactly. So he, he, it, it's still a good trick. And <laughs> I think the the point five is just that I like it. I think it's I think it's a better movie than. I, I get that. I just no. I, I'm just letting you know that I. Oh, I thanks. <laughs> it's just off the books. <laughs> just between you and me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a better movie. <laughs> It definitely had a uh, summer popcorn flick feel to it. Like it, it felt a lot lighter than uh, uh, Ant Man did. And plus, we got to see uh, the Wasp in action, which we had been promised in the uh, after credit scene of Ant Man. So I was very happy that it, that it delivered on that promise in spades. That said, I think I liked it about the same as Ant Man. I mean, neither movie has terribly high stakes other than uh you know the the idea of uh, the government just ruining your life with the legal system i mean i guess certainly that's that's a threat but uh but yeah no it's 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 pretty good eight and a half magic tricks out of ten so like uh the half one is uh he he pulls a quarter out of your ear but then he fumbles it onto the ground so yeah i enjoyed this movie i wouldn't say i don't, actually don't think i quite enjoyed it as much as the first ant-man i like the heist aspect of the first one which was missing a little bit here it went for more of like a crazy action comedy vibe with lots of different antagonists and people working at cross purposes and while i kind of appreciated that i just don't think it ultimately meshed quite as well there were times where i felt like there was just too much going on there was one too many groups of people that were trying to get a hell of that lab and I think really ultimately is Walton Goggins and his group that was kind of like, eh, I might have could have done without it. The One other thing I didn't like, too, was that I was really into the movie at the scene where Paul Rudd like has to go choose to go home and leave Hank Pym and Hope to get Janet by themselves. And then they get angry because I'm like, OK, yeah, he actually has to make decisions about his personal life and how far he's willing to go for this and that there might be a limit and then it just gets reversed basically after that when he talks with his daughter and essentially she says oh you just have to try harder (laughs) that's what it felt like no just be ant-man like you can do everything and by the end of the movie it's like yeah he just tried harder and did everything and there was really no consequences ultimately for him so you want the dark and gritty Ant-Man No, movie? where he has to make, s- like, some sacrifice, right? Instead of just, like, balancing everything perfectly. That's what I'm hearing. You want Zack Snyder's Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. You... <laughs> I didn't even have to say it. <laughs> Robert Pattinson will replace Paul Rudd in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I was front-loading the things I didn't like, but I thought that was really good. had a lot of great actors in it, a lot of great comedy, and I'm going to give it 7.5 close-up magic tricks out of 10. The point five being, like, you get all the way through the magic trick, and you're supposed to say, 
was this your card? And then you just you stop. You just go through the whole trick and you just never never tell them. All right. <laughs> I think I had your card. You're gonna have to trust me on this. <laughs> yep, that was definitely it. <laughs> just peeked at it. Yeah. That's a that's a weird flex, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> or just at the end of the trick saying, This was your card and thank you. And then just leave. <laughs> Don't ask them for confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's pretty much said everything but i really liked like this one when i first started i was like i don't know if i like this as much as the first one but by the end i was like that was as, at least as good as the original you know i love i love all the great comedy but the action scenes were so well done and still so entertaining and funny that it was great from start to finish um i think i liked it about the same as the original ant-man so I'm going to match that with a 9.5 close-up magic tricks. The The half a trick is that it was perfect, a perfectly executed trick, but there was no one there to see it. <laughs> it was fine. You got to practice, you know, but... If a trick what happens is in the room and no one's there to see it, did it actually happen? Yeah. <laughs> yes, halfway. We've answered no, the question. There's, yeah, there's, officially now. We know. It's only, it's only a trick if you manage to trick someone. Hmm. Okay. Without an audience, there's no one to be tricked. It's just magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everyone for uh, joining us on installment 63 of the Mary Marvel Movie March. We're going to move forward to October 2018 for our next installment. That's the movie Doug's been waiting for. It is Venom. Oh, yeah. Venom, Venom. So we hope you uh, join us for that. Um, in the meantime, we'll be taking a short break for the holidays. Uh, I think we will we may have a, uh, a guest podcast show up to give you a little Christmas treat. So you got that to look forward to. And so I hope you, uh, you enjoy your December. Or, you know, maybe it's January. Maybe you're listening to us a little later. That's fine. Enjoy your January or February. Or maybe the January after that, or the February after that, or maybe the March, or the May after that, um, <laughs> or the June, uh, or maybe the November after that, or maybe the uh, December after that. We hope you enjoy those times. We hope that all your times are good times and none are bad. Yeah, we hope all your times are good times and all your bad times go to Charlie. So. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> He's the bad time man. You're, you're, you're the giver. <laughs> <laughs> He's the the red the red skull of <laughs> bad times. <laughs> I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. A special thanks to our three sexiest guests alive. Tony Huff. It was very good being back on. Thank you very much. Doug Gobeski. Thanks for having me. And Paul Wilcox. It was wasp great to be back again. You guys were lucky to get that outro because it's just because I couldn't remember what Adam had said at the beginning. <laughs> Sometimes you stumble. Yeah, they went from ex-cons to sexiest guests. <laughs> certainly, certainly compatible things. Yeah. 
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our show. Make sure to check out our website at GobeskiWallsReport.com. Hey, everybody. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just follow us at GW Report and like our page on Facebook, the Gobeski Wallace Report. And hey, everybody. Tune in to next episode where there's sure to be tons more hilarity that we know you'll enjoy. Hey, everybody. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, that's the red pill? Believe in yourself? No, red <laughs> pill Red. No, red no. pill is you're going to be in the real world. I've never blue seen the pill, blue pill is you're the weird phase shifting, you know, and then you just disappear into the ether. Wait, which one puts you in the metaverse? <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> no, that puts you in the magaverse. <laughs> <laughs> what if you take both pills at the same time? I think you solve world peace. (laughs) (laughs) Via genocide. Oh, God. Ah, the Thanos solution. (laughs) Or maybe you just want, like, you're like, oh, I I don't really have that big of a headache. So you just take, like, half of a pill. I mean, they're gel caps. Yeah, they're gel caps. That's a a problem. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Now I'm imagining the Matrix, but with tablets. (laughs) (laughs) What if I only kind of want to know about the real world? (laughs) Neo breaks it in half. (laughs) So, So he, like, learns about the Matrix, but he doesn't understand it or get anything. He learns about the Matrix, but he's comfortable staying there. <laughs> like, you know, I think this is the better option, guys. Have you seen the real world? <laughs> kind of like a cool story, bro. You know, like, oh, all right. Well, have fun with that. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> anyway, I like that. I'm just, Anyways, I'm just so. picturing the famous scene, and he's just like, oh, you know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun with your kung fu. <laughs> well, see ya. <laughs> kung fu, huh? <laughs> well, see you later. <laughs> That's pretty neat. <laughs> I wish I could do that, but I'll just never learn. <laughs> Back to programming for me. <laughs> but you don't have to practice. We just beam it into your head. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm fine with myself the way I am. How am I going to learn? (laughs) Talk to my therapist. We've made some breakthroughs. Your therapist is programmed as well. (laughs) Your therapist is helping you with your unreality issues. That sounds like a Tim and Eric thing. (laughs) (laughs) Having trouble with your therapist and your unreality problems. (laughs) 